Our Michigan State basketball Spartans got absolutely mollywhopped in South Bend, but hey, you know what? It's not all bad. We go over some positives. Whose stock is up? Whose is down? And then also, yes, the all Big Ten offensive teams were named for football. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening, everyone? Yes, you guys are just truly the best. Thank you so much to all the viewers and listeners of Locked on Spartans for eating up some of your day with us here on the Locked on Spartans podcast. Yes, we do this five days a week. No matter how good the games go or like uh, Wednesday night, how bad the games go, we're here breaking down everything for you, having some fun with it every once in a while. Uh, But hey, before going any further, please rate, review, and subscribe here to this podcast or YouTube channel. However you, however you digest this media, hey, thanks a lot for doing so, and uh, we hope it's a good time. Even though Michigan State, um, what was the final score? Loses to Notre Dame, one hundred and thirty-eight to forty-six, seemingly. Um, I, look, I, you guys know me. I can get very passionate after games. I can really just start chewing into these kids and the coaching staff, and um, you know, they're just so overrated, and this is disgusting. I. We've done those shows before, when I think it warrants it, and this is not going to be one of those shows. Uh, look, was it a good game? Oh my god, no. Oh my god, no. It was, it was horrible. It was comical how bad it was. Actually, it's really comical when the announcers, Spartans down 18 in the second half, are being like, alright, it's gut check time. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about, sir? Uh, anyway, no, it, what we're going to get into nitpicking here, you know, talk about things that could be going better for Michigan State. But no, right off the top, look, maybe I'm just not overly mad about this game. Um, And it's not maturity or growth. That's not the reason why I'm not wound up over this game. Maybe it's just because of what this team has done the previous seven games of the year. And look, Michigan State right now, as it stands, 5-3 and overall on the season. And if you told me before the season... That hey, your Spartans are going to be five and three, especially with this murderous row of a schedule: Gonzaga, Kentucky, Alabama, the PK85. You already know what I'm talking about. You've watched this season. I, I would probably say before the season that okay, five and three is okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe, probably. I'll tell you what though, that probably turns into definitely I would take 5-3 and three when you consider the circumstances of what has happened the last week. You don't have Jaden Akins. You don't have Malik Hall. You are already very thin in your depth to begin with this season. And you just lost two starters. Okay. If you're 5-3 and three with half your games involving that, I'm not going to be punching the air as much as I normally would here. And look, at the end of the day, this was a road game against a veteran-led team. They start two guys that are fifth-year seniors. They start another guy that's, well, just a boring old fourth-year senior. That's the guy that absolutely blitzed Michigan State beyond the three-point line and Cormac Ryan. And then, oh, yeah, a fourth starter, Justin McDonald's All-American. So, yes, I'm not saying that Notre Dame is a top-four seed-line team, but in their home barn, them coming off of a really bad loss against St. Bonaventure being as veteran-led as they are, of course they were going to respond pretty well. And also, too, yeah, Michigan State's schedule has had a lot packed lately. And I know that it was made very apparent on the broadcast that this is Michigan State's first road game of the season. Okay, that seems a little disingenuous to call us the first road game of the season. 
Michigan State has played eight games so far this year. Two have been inside of Breslin Center. Four of them have been on the West Coast. They have played as many games in the Central Time Zone as they have played, well, in their home arena. So, yes, this has been an arduous task of a season so far for our Spartans. I don't really think a lot of that is excuse-making either. I think those are legitimate reasons of why, hey, you kind of got jumped on the road against a Notre Dame team that is maybe not as horrible as it was led on to believe. You know, and, and look, hey, I, I talked yesterday that, okay, they've had some close games. They played Radford really close. They played Lipscomb to a one-point victory. They got beat by a dozen points against St. Bonaventure. But hey, just like we said, they rallied with their veteran leadership. And uh, this game was settled in the first half. I'm, I'm not going to lie. If you probably even turned the game off after the first half. And if you did so, well, good job. Hope you got to sleep, and I hope you lived a very healthy evening the rest of the night. But yeah, first half, Michigan State goes into the locker room down 42-24. to And what did Notre Dame do well beyond, you know, Cormac Ryan shooting 20 points? Uh, in the first half, 5 of 5 from three-point land. Um, it wasn't even just him, actually. Uh, Notre Dame as a whole started the game 8 of 12 shooting from behind the arc, and they went into this game as a pretty good three-point shooting team. We did talk about that on yesterday's show. However, they were really good at not turning the ball over as well as they were bludgeoning Michigan State to start that game. No turnovers in the first 17 minutes for Notre Dame. And also another thing that we talked about on yesterday's show is that, look, Notre Dame doesn't play a lot of guys. Uh, they only played six guys tonight, actually. But the ones they do play are pretty rangy. Uh, they don't start anyone that's shorter than six foot four. They got a lot of length, and that gave Michigan State some trouble in the first half of this game. And not even the six turnovers, which obviously not a great stat to have. But it just put them in awkward spots, made them shoot awkward shots, forced them deep into the shot clock, so... Look, it, it, it was it was a tough game, tough matchup, tough night. And when you're missing two starters, well, yeah, that's going to happen. However, not, Michigan State isn't just totally absolved. I'm not going to be a complete homer right now. We're going to hold some people accountable here. Um, look, yeah, Notre Dame starts the game shooting 8 of 12 from behind the arc. And things that Michigan State didn't do well as well, they were in outer space for a few of those three-pointers. Namely, Pierre Brooks. Hey, look, hey, you guys know me if you've listened to any other recap of this season. I love Pierre Brooks. We're going to talk about him later. I love the Pierre Brooks roller coaster experience, but this this was on a downward slope of that roller coaster. Uh, not great offensive performance from him. He was lost a few times in the first half on defense, lighting up wide open three-pointers. Was he the only one? No. He was just the highest offender of that. Also, even more glaring than just putting this game on Pierre Brooks, of course, it wasn't entirely on him. You got, once again, nothing from your big men as well. And in the second segment, we're going to be doing stock up, stock down. We actually do have a lot of stock ups in the next segment. But you can figure out maybe a little teaser here of what we're going to be talking about with the stock down. And it's going to be the big men. In the first half, you got two points from Mighty Sissoko. And they tried to work the ball into him. To start the game because, look, this was another favorable matchup for Mati Sissoko, at least physically. But one of four shooting in the first half, two points in the first half, four total on the game. Carson Cooper uh, missed the layup. I, I get it. We're speeding up this whole process of playing him before he's ready. But 
Uh, you're seven feet tall and making a layup would be just awesome, I think. And then, you know, gets blown by in transition. Let's an easy and one foul in, and that's kind of when the momentum was really big into the biggest wave that Notre Dame had in the first half. And then Jackson Kohler, nothing, just nothing from the, the big men in general. So, again, longer conversation about that coming up in a hot second, but really quick, too. Let's talk about this depth as well, because it's not like this was not avoidable. We talked about this in the offseason. We talked about this in the beginning of the season that, hey, you're playing like a nine-man team, a team that is composed of nine legitimate scholarship players, or ten if you want to round up. If you have one injury, that's not good. If you have two, well, oh man, it would have been really nice to dip into the portal here and try to add someone just to have maybe experienced depth. And yeah, it is reasons why Michigan State did not do well today, but I would really hate to get into Big Ten play, which somehow starts this Sunday already, and then, uh-oh, because you don't have the depth early on with your injuries to compete. Well, here we are. So yeah, it's um, you can put uh, sorry, you can point to depth being a reason why maybe Michigan State got track meted today. No doubt about that. And yes, I know Notre Dame also played six players as well. They also didn't just play three games in four days on the West Coast. So I I think that's something to be said there. But yeah, the the, the depth, mm, yeah, not. Great. Look, I know Jason White is trying his hardest. Carson Cooper's trying his hardest. But, like, ah, man, big first half minutes for those two guys. I'm not sure is the recipe for success. But, hey, we'll uh, get to that all in a hot second. I see you talk your ear off about betonline.net. Hey, if you were like me and uh, maybe hedged your happiness a little bit, bet against Michigan State, I feel almost guilty saying it. But, uh, when it's profitable, and unfortunately your Notre Dame plus one and a half bet wins on BetOnline.net, well, you got to thank the higher powers over there at that amazing website. So yeah, I, f- I feel absolutely disgusting about it. But hey, if I'm going to be sad about watching my team get blown completely out, well, it's nice that BetOnline.net is paying me for it. Uh, so they are your number one source for your spe- oh my, if I could talk today for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer. Catch the World Cup fever and eSports. They've got it all covered at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which, God, I hope you do if you're listening to this one, you can find more of those at BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get in on all of the sports gambling action. So head to the website today, use your mobile device, learn more about the trends and action. That is at BetOnline where the game starts. And we're going to start this segment, you know, it's a little bit of stock up. Who's up there? Whose stock is down lately? Whether it's just another Dame game or just the last few games. Right games into the season, you know. We're almost into December, almost into Big Ten play. Whose stock is up from where they started the season? Whose stock is down? We're going to start it with the stock up, actually. Because, I, look, I don't want to be a negative Nancy my entire life or this for the rest of this show. We're going to, you know break in some some niceness here. And I got a list of people who I think stocks have risen a lot in the last week. And the first one is kind of a joke, but actually not at all. And that is Malik Hall and Jaden Akins. Their stock is way up. Uh, if you had no idea how important Malik Hall and Jaden Akins were to this Michigan State basketball team, Look no further than the last week of action. Uh, yes, hey, they, look, they, they beat Oregon. I think there was uh, something to be said about how gritty and great of a victory that was as they wrapped that game up at 4 a.m. 
They beat Portland as well, but those were two pretty close games. And then, well, you got track meted against Alabama. And then, oh my God, I think Notre Dame just scored another three-pointer. So, Malik Hall, Jaden Akins, uh, their stocks are already gone up. Now, for three guys that actually play in the last week, Joey Hauser. I think his stock has gone up. And there are good expectations for him going into the season, but I think we'd all be lying if we said that a little part of us in the back of our heads, or maybe even the front of our heads, wasn't thinking that, well, uh, okay, yeah, he started or he ended last year really good. Didn't necessarily start it all too hot last year. Is he going to revert back to that? Early signs indicate no. Uh, and what I love seeing in this Notre Dame game is just how assertive he was in that first half. Michigan State was drowning in the deep end. Cinder blocks tied to their feet. It was not a good situation, but Joey Hauser tried to throw the team a buoy. Uh, he noticed the offense was not humming at all. Tried to take matters into his own hands. Shot eight field goal attempts. Made four of them, so you know, pretty good uh, turnout with that as well. But yes, very assertive. And just on the season as a whole, 47% shooter from three-point land. Averaging 13 points, six rebounds. It's been a great start to the year for Joey Hauser, who, look, if you've listened to this podcast early last season, and I don't think it was out of line, I think his performance justified it. Kind of a little hard on him, but can't be like that this season because Joey Hauser has been everything that we've hoped him to be, and maybe even a little more. The second player whose stock rose in this game and the second half of the Portland game is A.J. Hogard as well. And this was a man who started in the red with the first two games in the PK-85. Not not good games from him. Not good games from him against Alabama or Oregon. But you know what? The Portland game shot up. We saw some of that dog. Tonight against Notre Dame, 15 points. Tried to take all matters into his own hands in the second half. And was it a perfect outing from A.J. Hogard? No. Of course it wasn't. I think he shot below 40%, uh, three turnovers. But look, I, he, he was really pressed as well. He saw his team down 15, 20 points for the better part of the second half. He was trying his best to get things going. And we have saw last week that that's not always the case with AJ. So hopefully this is a moment to mentally get him right. And I, it really did seem like, okay, this is the AJ that we also remember from last year. And the third guy, too, whose stock is way up, Tyson Walker, just so smooth with it. Has been just great this entire season as well. I don't need to rattle off the stats or anything like that. You guys have already seen him do his work. So, yeah, Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard, Joey Hauser, all guys seen their stocks go up. Now, I have one group of people who's also seen their stocks go up as well, and this is a great transition into the stocks going down. And unfortunately... Another group that's seen their stock go up is anyone that was crying for Tom Izzo to just get another body in the transfer portal. And look, I'm not going to lie to you. This is a conversation that we've had already this season that we will continue to have the rest of the season. And we're going both ways with it. Both sides of the argument are going to be heard. We heard them loud and clear after the Kentucky game where we talked with Graham Couch and I name drop him because he put it best. I said, hey, Depth is still going to be an issue with this team. And Graham said, ah, ah, ah. Imagine how much this would have screwed up the chemistry of this team. Let's say you do bring in another big. Does Mati Sissoko stay? Okay, let's say you do bring in a big. Is any big really transferring to a school to come off the bench? 
Let's say he comes here and surprise that he's on the bench. What's that going to do to the locker room? I get that part entirely. What about the other, like, I, I think the, the other half, too, of this argument is now having their turn to scream into the void. Because it'd be awesome to just have another solid Division One body on this team. But I digress. Let's get into some stock down right here. And I'm sorry, but we got to talk about the bigs again. And I don't want to say that the game against Gonzaga and the game against Kentucky was a freshwater lake mirage in the middle of a desert, but maybe I'm starting to think that Mighty Sissoko's performance against the All-American Drew Timmy at Gonzaga and the All-American and Oscar Sheepway at Kentucky was maybe a mirage. And it is just baffling, right? Because he's had two good games this year. Two really good games. Not, not two good games. Two great games this year, I will say. And they were against the best talent that he's seen so far. And then you get out of that Kentucky game. It's like, oh man, he's finally not going to go up against Wooden Award finalist. First team All-Americans. What is he going to do once he starts feasting on these other guys and it turns out nothing? Um, point blank, not a lot for Mighty Sissoko ever since that Kentucky game. There have been five games since the Champions Classic. Mighty has had one double-digit performance. And let's be honest, it was against Portland, and not just against Portland, but five of those points came in that single wonky possession down the court where he got hammered on the layup, made his and one, and then the two flagrant free throws. Okay, so it was kind of a steroid-aided 11-point performance right there, and he's also had just one game with six-plus rebounds since the Champions Classic, which was tonight. It was against Notre Dame, but... Really? That's kind of disappointing. I'm not chalking up a season as a loss. I'm not saying he's straight up reverting back to that 1.8 points per game player that he was last season, but yeah. All right, hand up. That's my bad. I left that Kentucky game thinking first team all Big Ten, second team all Big Ten. If he falters, maybe third team all Big Ten. I got a little ahead of my skis there. I did. Hand up because now, okay, just maybe solid big man in the Big Ten, which is still fine, but oh, man, how did you have those performances in those two games and then just after that? Uh, and hey, look, he's also not the only big man, right? And Carson Cooper, and I got to say this every single time, I, I do feel almost bad for him. And we all know the story now. And, and if you don't, here's the Cliff Notes version. Committed here from IMG, their B team. And you know, raw player, and it was the plan to have him here, redshirt his first year, build him into this good player in year two, three, maybe four, and then in the offseason, we get the whole son and dance of, oh no, it's actually, he's doing pretty good, we're speeding this whole thing up because he's actually exceeding all of our expectations, and was it that, or was it just because you need four functioning limbs to play center behind Mati Sissoko, because I think it's clear that right now, it is because he is playing out of necessity, not out of luxury. So I feel bad just absolutely badgering this kid because this wasn't the plan to play immediately, but now it is where he's logging, you know, eight, ten minutes a game, playing important first half minutes. So it's still at the end of the day, like, I, it's a tough situation for him to be in. Um, and I don't 
really know how to adequately talk about his performance because it has not been going well. But then again, like, it wasn't even supposed to be happening to begin with. Regardless, anyway, the third big man, Jackson Kohler. I think that we've learned a lesson here. And let me stop right here before I go any further about Jackson Kohler. He's going to be a fine player here. He is going to be more than a fine player here. His footwork that he has doesn't just leave his body. Like There is going to be, going to be something built on the skill set that he walked into East Lansing with. However, pretty clear that it's not enough right now. And I think it was a good lesson, too, of the difference between a recruit that's in like the top 60 range versus a kid that's in that top 20, maybe top 30 range. I think that a lot of us built up Jackson Kohler to be something that he was not, a guy that was going to be a difference maker pretty early in the season. Yes, he's going to play Timmy. He's going to play Sheway. He'll struggle against them. But it is a pretty big jump, clearly, from the high school game to the college game. He will be fine in due time. It's just going a little slower than maybe a few of us thought because, look, whether we thought he was good or we just had to convince himself that he was going to be really good because, well, he's the second big man on the depth chart. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. So, uh, stock down for the big man position. And uh, just, uh, yeah, you know, I got Pierre Brooks written down right here as well. But like I said, I, I love Pierre Brooks. This is what it's going to be every single game. He's going to be up here or he's going to be way down here. Tonight, he was down here. He was not good offensively. He was even worse defensively. But you know what? I wouldn't be shocked to see him go 6 of 9 from three-point land against Northwestern and push Michigan State to a victory. So, yeah, he is the human form of cryptocurrency. And, God, I just love Pierre Brooks and the energy that he brings to the court, but just wasn't there tonight. So, there you have it. Stock up, stock down. Let's switch to football really quick right now. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Unfortunately, we talked about the All-Big Ten players on defense yesterday. Michigan State has a few players on the All-Big Ten team this time around as well for offense, but eh, we'll we'll see. Jaden Reed made the second team, All-Big Ten team, for the coaches. And also for the coaches, honorable mention on Reed's were Keon Coleman, J.D. Duplain, and Nick Samak. Now, for the media, uh, the third team had Keon Coleman. Jaden Reed did not make any of the teams. He got honorable mention for the media. And Duplain and Samak also got honorable mention as well. And it's it, like it's not a, a shock that this gentleman that I'm about to bring up didn't get named because it wasn't you know a, a stat sheet stuff in season for Daniel Barker. But man, it's just like it's just another reminder of how much of a letdown the season was. And I'm sorry to just be Debbie Downer at the end of this show, but team went five and seven on the football field. What do you, you want me to talk about? All the sunshine and rainbows going on out there? No, it. Uh, you know, sorry, I, I should be speaking about how great it was that Jaden Reed made a second team and Keon Coleman made a third team. But God, you get this NFL body and Daniel Barker here, and couldn't even tool the offense around him enough to put him on the honorable mention list. And it's not like he was battling serious injury or anything. Mixed, missed a ton of games. No, it's just the offense was just that that bad. That bad. And, um, oh, man. It, the hits don't stop coming for Michigan State. I thought we could put the season behind us, but it's like, hey, let's do awards. All right. Hey, here's a quick reminder of how, things bad, how bad things have gotten. 
Jaden Reed didn't even make our top three all-conference team for the media. And, uh, yeah, your other receiver didn't make it for the coaches either. It's like, oh, my God, how do we not get these NFL bodies the ball enough to have a good enough season to be making these all-Big Ten teams honorable mention list? Whatever. Whatever. Uh, you know what? It's not whatever because we do have one more piece of news to get into, and that is Kendall Brooks, he was the safety, of course, transferred here from Division II Greenville, made the most of his time this season with everyone else in the safety room injured. He racked up 100 tackles this year, which was good for fifth in the Big Ten. And we talked about the defense, all Big Ten honorees yesterday, and we mentioned, you know, Cal Halliday made the list, and Xavier Henderson got honorable mention, Jacob Slade, Simeon Barrow, and okay, pretty good. You know what? Uh, Kendall Brooks probably got snubbed at least for honorable mention. I'm not saying he should have won the Thorpe Award or anything like that, or made a second team even, but fifth overall in the conference in tackles with the 100 doesn't even get you honorable mention. Whatever, I digress. Anyway, he declared for the NFL draft on Wednesday. So, yes, he did have one more year of eligibility. And I will fully admit, I'm sorry to admit this, but... I don't know who can come back and who can next year. I got a pretty good idea. I have some names in my head, but with the whole COVID thing and everything, the, the whole COVID year thing and everything, I just get so spun around because I didn't realize that he could come back until he made that announcement. But yes, he could have come back, but you walk out with those stats. I don't know if he will have the same role next year that he did this year. I, I think that maybe he could have, maybe he even would have, but... If there's any silver lining with this season, it's that, yeah, all the injuries kind of forced younger guys, too, to get this great experience. Guys like Malik Spencer, guys like Jaden Mangum, guys like Dylan Tatum. So, look, those three guys I just named are young guys that have good, good experience coming into next year. So they will be your safeties, I presume. Because Kendall Brooks will not be. Would have been nice to have him back. No doubt. This is not a, a good riddance uh, spin zone whatsoever. I, I was admittedly bummed to see Kendall Brooks uh, tweet out that graphic that he will not be coming back. But, hey, you know what? Go out on top. When your value is that high, good advice is to just get out of here. Unlike that kid at Penn State, the offensive tackle whose name I cannot pronounce, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I would come off so disrespectful if I even tried. But the offensive tackle from Penn State, who's like a top 15 pick in next year's draft, coming back to school next year, I, I just hope NIL is great to that kid because, oh boy, you talk about your value being high. How much higher can it possibly get? Did no one learn a lesson from Matt Barkley? coming back for his senior season after he was going to be a top five pick and then falling all the way down to what was it, day two or day three in the draft? Regardless, I've gone full on, locked on Nittany Lions, and now locked on Trojans here in the last minute. But yeah, um, that's just football talk for you because uh, we like talking football, even if the season was terrible. Football makes the world go around, and uh, hey, look, I, I know that this fan base cares about it because we got a good fan base over here in East Lansing, and hey, if you want to keep talking and listening about your Spartans, hit us up, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Hit us below in the comment section on YouTube. And also, hey, just tune in five days a week here. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to preview the Northwestern game coming up. We'll talk about any news that breaks. And also, a hockey segment for all you people that are clamoring about our 
Ice Spartans who are doing sensational so far. Yes, we will talk with Jeremy Dewar tomorrow as well. Quick segment on hockey. It'll be a hoot and a half. Now, until then, love you all. Go Green.